Welcome to Grace Bible Fellowship Sermon Archive. Our prayer is that you will be abundantly blessed as you listen to this sermon delivered by Pastor Paul Francisco. Join us as we are pointed to the grace found in Jesus Christ alone as recorded in God's Holy Word. Good morning, Grace Bible Fellowship. It is a blessing and a joy to be here with you this morning. And as our brother reminded us this morning, I would like to wish you grace and peace, and may it be multiplied to you through our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the, the great joys that I have as pastor is to be able to open up, open up God's word for you and to help you see from my studies what the Lord has revealed uh, in the text. And, and this is one of the joys uh, of being a Christian, that we can know who God is because he reveals himself to us through his word. And I was just thinking of our sister's testimony just a moment ago as Corinna was uh, sharing with us. It's so important that we know God's word. It's so important that we teach and preach God's word because it's through God's word that we can receive the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as I open up God's word from the Old Testament, uh, I just remind you because last week was our first week here at uh, the BSM. So we're back in the book of Esther, and this is our normal, regular practice going through whole books of the Bible, both Old and New Testament. And as we look at this text this morning, um, I want you to uh, see that if Christ, what, what we hear in a book that doesn't mention the word God or Lord in all the book, but God uses and he chooses to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things through ordinary means, and we can still see God's hand as a redeeming, loving God who points us to the truth of who he is. And as we look at this text, uh, I want you to, uh, you know, I want to share a little something with you here. As, um, as a 100% disabled combat vet, um, my children have been given a gift that they don't even realize how precious it is. Because of the sacrifice of my service, um, they get a free college education from any Texas college of their choosing. Now, this is a blessing for them. And although they don't even realize the weight of that, as a parent, I want them to not waste it, but rather to be good stewards of this gift, hoping it will be a blessing that keeps giving in their futures. And as we consider this text this morning, we live in a world of struggle. But God in his grace cares for us, and God's favor and blessings are for the gift of faith, faith ultimately in Christ. And as we progress in it, we ought to be faithful stewards so that we are a light 
in a dark world. To give you a little context here, in our last scene of this text, we see that the king's decree has gone out and young virgins throughout the empire have been gathered, including Esther. The author has given us insight into Esther and Mordecai and is leading his readers to the point where Esther will be selected as the next queen to replace Vashti. This journey hasn't been all sunshine and roses. It's, and it's not because Esther and Mordecai are more deserving. However, in God's sovereign plan, he is elevating an exile. An exile, because the Jews were in this place because of the exile, because of their disobedience. It was actually a result of disobedience, and God punished them. But God is elevating an exile to royalty for the purpose of preserving his covenant people. Despite the lack of courage and, and the concealing of Esther's identity, the Lord still uses his people. Today, we will observe God's favor and blessings on Esther. But what can we learn from this account? God's blessings come with responsibility. God's blessings come with a responsibility. And there are two things I want you to see in this responsibility from this text. God's favor is for our progress in faith. God's favor is for our progress in faith. And secondly, God's blessings are for stewardship. God's blessings are for stewardship. So as we look at this text here, God's favor is for our progress in faith in verses 12 and 15. To recap our last lesson, we see in the storyline God's loving care for Esther despite ill advice from young dumb men, counselors to the king, and a tyrannical king's edict. Esther was taken into custody from her home where she left Mordecai, her elder cousin who raised her like a daughter. So Mordecai, as many confuse his role, he is not her uncle. He is not her father. He's not her grandfather. This is her elder cousin, but he raises her like a daughter. For she was essentially an orphan. And after Esther is taken into us custody under Haggai's care, the author continues the narrative highlighting an ugly fact. Life in Persia demonstrates for us where people are treated as commodities. Esther 2 is a story that when we hear it, we can scarcely bear to contemplate this reality. Perhaps this is why Mordecai goes by the palace every day to check on her. Given that Mordecai helped raise his younger cousin, he wanted to know that she was okay, much like a parent is concerned for a child. And as one commentator mentions, he says, in the middle of the gloom of custody, compromise, and concealment shines a bright spot. Esther pleases Haggai and won his favor. And he placed her on the fast track with cosmetics and food. She was receiving the best possible care in an awful situation. But then we start to see God's favor being given to her. As you look with me back in the text, beginning with verse 8, it says, So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young men and women were gathered in Susa on the custody of custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken to the king's palace. 
and put into the custody of Haggai, who had charge of the woman. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. As the story advances, we move from the search process to special preparations. This text tells us that this preparation was done over a 12-month period. 12 months of beauty treatments for one night with the king. Look at the text in verse 12. In verse 12 and 13, we see, Now when the turn came for each young woman to go into the king Ahasuerus, after being 12 months under the regulations for the woman, since this was the regular period of their beautifying, six months with oil and myrrh and six months with spices and ointments for women, and when young woman went into the king in this way, she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the harem to the king's palace. They were given beauty treatments and jewels and fine things, but it was not for their benefit, you see. These young women are made to look and smell in such a way that pleases the king so that he may find interest in them for at least one night. I wish I could say things have improved in our day, but sadly, the same pressure for women and their appearances still exists today. You can't hardly watch a TV show or anything on TV without images of women being portrayed in a particular way. Just look at the commercials we see on TV, selling products and ideas based on immodesty and a particular image. It's everywhere you go, displaying women as commodities, including magazines at your local, local grocery store. At the checkout line, this is a lesson that can serve us Christians well today. Men ought to promote the beauty of women with respect and honor. And women, you shouldn't give in to the pressures of your bodies being being put on display and looking a particular way. God has made you with value and worth. You were created in him as in his image and likeness, and it is not to be sold or bought or portrayed in a particular way. You have great value, and you are more than beautiful if you are in Christ. Now the shame of the narrative gets worse from here. In verse 14, it tells us in the evening that she would go in, and in the morning she would return to the second harem in custody of Shashkaz, the king's eunuch who was, who was in charge of the concubines. Okay? Concubines. If you guys don't know what a concubine is, you can look it up but particularly is not a good thing. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. So when each girl had their turn with the king, she could not return the same way. They did not return to the virgin's quarters for obvious and grievous reasons. In our day and age, you may hear the phrase, walk the shame, something that is attributed to perhaps a sexual encounter with a boy, a man, and you are still wearing the same clothes as you walk out. 
And this is not something to be paraded about or applauded. As these young girls would leave the king's bedroom, likely no longer virgins, they now would walk to a different harem with all the other concubines. It was a walk of shame indeed. The deeper shame should fall on King Osiris for taking their virginity, then putting all these women in a place like Hotel California. This is not a good song, regardless of how catchy the tune may be. It is promoting the wrong things and not things that would lift up women and their beauty and honor them. A place that they can check out when summoned by the king, but they could never leave. This would be a place where they would live out the remainder of their day. The king left the woman he used with shame. Some of these young girls would have felt this as they left the king's chambers, knowing that they had something taken away. Something that they would have never given the king willingly. A shame that these girls felt comes not because of any sin they committed, but from the sin that had been committed against them. Perhaps they didn't feel it immediately. Maybe it took after the first night in the new harem, alone at night, and it came like a crushing blow through their minds and their hearts. What we see here is the issue of shame. I know I have felt shame for my own sin, knowing that I have once again chosen something over God's promise. It's like a filthy rag of shame for my rebellion. However, Jesus has come to take away shame. Christ uses His Spirit and Word to remind us something. He not only provides atonement and healing and peace, but consider the cross that Jesus hung on. Cursed is the man who was hung upon the tree. On the cross, Jesus knows about the shame. And on the cross, Christ had only our sin laid upon him, but also shame. Paul said in Romans 10:11 that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus took our shame so that we would be freed from it. And this is the good news of the gospel, beloved. So with these young girls, they experienced shame. This experience should have, could have been Esther's as well. But the Lord in his providence preserved her from this shame. Any guesses why? Though Esther may have been faithless in concealing her identity, and she may have been fearful, perhaps, for losing her own life, However, Esther was winning favor with everyone she met. For some reason, Esther is receiving positively by all who see her, and they help her for her own good. Look at with me in verse 15. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except for what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the woman, advised her. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. This makes you wonder why pagans would be so accommodating. The only reason we, reason we can attribute is that God makes his enemies even serve his plan. As Lounden Dowden notes, 
We are not told that God's favor is something Esther asked for in her prayers. We're not even told she prayed. In fact, if God's blessings were based solely on a bold obedience to God, Esther would have been owed no favor at all. But God bestows his favor daily on those who do not deserve it and can never earn it. Isn't that amazing, brothers and sisters in Christ? That God bestows his favor and blessings on those who don't deserve it. That means you and that means me. The only thing we deserve is a one-way ticket straight to hell for our transgressions against a holy and righteous God. But in his love and divine care and redemptive plan throughout all history, he knew you before the foundations of the world and he called you to be one of his. Now that is the beauty of a loving, rescuing, merciful God. Just because Esther was out of Mordecai's direct care doesn't mean she wasn't out of the Lord's care. Even if we find ourselves in the pagan king's harem and not seeking God, we may find him seeking us. He ought to be, we ought to be thankful for all the time Christ has walked with us. Consider that for a moment. What are the deep, dark, corners of your life that you were in an utter despair you were in a pit that you may have been in that pit because of your own rebellion because of your own choice to sin to choose something other than our lord jesus christ but then despite all that he walked with you he walked with you this is why the psalmist says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, for the Lord is with me. Even when we're not walking for him, this is precisely why God's favor is for our progress in faith. The Lord is building up Esther in her trust for him without her even knowing. The author gives us no specific reason for it, but God's kindness toward her is seen in how she is treated amongst the pagans. She was progressing because of his plan. And later we will see the result of her faith for his purposes. Even when we are unfaithful and fearful, Christ is faithful and we can experience the presence of God's favor. Friends, we're often led to progress in our faith because His grace is for His glory and our joy. And the Lord is advancing us for the gospel to go forth in us and through us. This is why I'm so thankful for our partnership with the Baptist Student Ministries and why we are given a gift to be here, to be in a place where we can partner together in Christ. We are have an amazing opportunity by being here. Having an opportunity right down the street. You can just walk there in five minutes and you're on campus. And I guarantee out of the thousands and thousands of students and faculty that are there during the week, many do not know the name of Jesus. And God, if you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, if you're in Christ, God has called you to be on mission. He has called you to be a salt. 
and light in a dark place. And we have the opportunity. You have the opportunity every week. Tomorrow night, there's going to be a time of prayer and worship happening right here. Dedicated students and people from all through the city are going to be coming who have been invited to come here and just to cry out to the Lord and ask for God's favor, ask for God's blessing, ask for God's revival in the hearts of students right here in this place. And you can come and be a part of that. There's information and my brother's going to share that with us during announcements. Tuesday nights, every Tuesday night, you have an opportunity to come here, enjoy a meal, meet 50 to 150 students, depending on how many come. Meet them, talk with them, get to know them. I promise you there are many that come through these doors that do not know Jesus Christ, that are professing atheists. But you have an opportunity to be salt and light. All those who have come here and visited and participated in the ministries happening right here have been blessed by these opportunities. I implore you, brothers and sisters, come. Come see, and this Tuesday night, I was asked to even preach the same message that I preached last Sunday for these students. So I'll be preaching this Tuesday night here. And then Wednesdays, every Wednesday, if you're not working during the day or you have a lunch break, there's an opportunity every Wednesday. They feed students here and they come. I'm even from these medical places right up the street. You see medical staff coming here. You see faculty coming here. You see students coming. You see people coming off the street in here and you have an opportunity and you have something greater than food but you have the very word of god that gives life to the dead and the lord is advancing us for the gospel to go forth in and through us esther will eventually identify her ethnicity and intercede for her people and it will all have started because god's hand is over her even pagan rulers, through giving Esther favor in the harem. When we are given favor and progress by God, it's for his purposes. We can also learn from this account that God's blessings are for stewardship. So we heard that God's favor is for building us up in the faith. Now we have that God's blessings are for stewardship. Esther's visit finally comes. Four years since the king put away Queen Vashti, King Ahasuerus meets Esther in his royal palace. Look with me in verse 16. And it says, when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus in his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of the Tebeth in the seventh year of his reign. If you remember back to chapter one, it's been four years. He was in the fourth year's reign or the third year of his reign during that time opening scene and the author chooses to skip the details but he gives us the outcome esther's visit breaks down the king's selfish cold heart and he chooses her in fact the text tells us that he loved esther look at with me in verse 17 the king loved esther more than all the women and she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The king decides no other virgins are needed to be considered. 
He is so overjoyed with her that he decides to slash taxes and give gifts of generosity. In verse 7, 18, look, it says, Then the king gave a great feast for all his officials and servants, and it was Esther's feast. He also granted a remission of taxes to the provinces and gave gifts with royal generosity. So all the provinces within the Persian Empire were giving gifts because he was so overjoyed with this woman that the Lord used, not because she's better than any other woman, not because she had this devised uh, uh, an amazing plan or because God gave a direct audible revelation, not because of anything. He used an ordinary girl, an exile in a land who was raised in less than adequate conditions, brought her into her will unwillingly into her palace, beautified her, gave her favor amongst all these pagan rulers and then Esther won the favor of the king, and he loved her. Esther, an adopted exile who was later abducted and taken to the king's palace, became a girl who advanced in the harem and ultimately adorned as queen. She was honored with a special feast just for her, a provincial search process, special preparations and a move into a strategic position were all guided by the hands of the Lord in a silent providence. This should serve as a reminder to us. If we know we serve a sovereign God, we ought to position ourselves strategically without even knowing His plans. God's blessings in our lives are not for selfishness to be promoted, but for stewardship and the Lord's giving. As one commentator writes, he says in Esther 2, the biblical author is telling us how, despite all odds, a young Jewish woman comes into position of power in the Persian Empire. It was not something she sought for herself or had been planning since childhood. Her becoming queen certainly did not occur in a way any self-respecting woman would prefer. But given the crown, the point in would have surprised Esther, but her rise to such a prominent position, though at this point in the story she would have seen it as such, signaled that as sure as God had disciplined his people, he was committed to preserving them. Sometimes God moves us into position without fully revealing his plan to us. Have you ever had experiences in your life when you look back and you were like, Wow, Lord, I had no idea you were doing this, but where I am right now is exactly where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I just think of my own life. El Paso was the last place on the earth that me and my wife wanted to be at, particularly because it reminded me of being in the desert when I was in Iraq, particularly because I, I didn't see the things that I see now. And God in his providence allowed me to get sick to almost the point of death. And in that point when I was in the hospital thinking over, what are you trying to teach me, God? Why did you allow me to get the sickness and almost take my life? And he revealed to me that I hear I had family. I had family. I had spent all this time 
pouring into people in the churches, going on missions trips, sharing the gospel, evangelists, going into mosques during Ramadan, doing some dangerous stuff, smuggling Bibles into Afghanistan, doing all this stuff for the sake of the gospel. And I had family members that did not know Christ. So the Lord in His providence brought me here. And because of the relationship that I had with the several of you for a lot of years already through this church, we came. I had no plan to be pastor. None of us thought that Ben Dowdy would step down to be a pastor from here. But God and his providence brought me here. And now I think how much I love you all. How dear and precious this church is. How I've been giving the greatest blessing to teach God's word. How you guys receive God's word and yearn for it. How you want to be transformed by the gospel. I see the way you guys love each other when visitors come in here and how you greet them, how we sit down like last Sunday and have a meal and you guys enjoy one another, how we, we start service late because you guys love talking to each other, right? We love each other. I see the way you guys serve each other. I see the hands that come in here just the last two Sundays over an hour early just to come help set up so we can have this. That is a blessing and that is a joy and that's a testimony to God and Christ working in your life, brothers and sisters. As we will learn later in the story when Mordecai proclaims these words, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Think about your lives. Think about how God is working in your lives and how he wants to use you for his glory and your joy. God had not placed Esther in this position just for her own benefit. His provision for her was ultimately for the provision of his people. Esther would play a key role in that process. Surely she couldn't have known that a pagan's decree, king's decree would go out based on ill advice from young men which would bring her to the palace. However, the painful rise of Esther to the throne of Persia was meant for salvation of God's covenant people. You see, God chooses to give us favor and blessing for a reason. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. This is what Abraham was told when God spoke to him. I will bless you and make you a great nation among many nations. And he talked about the, the, the seed numbered among the stars, a great remnant. But it was all so that God would get the glory. We are to bless others because we have been blessed. Be a blessing because we have been blessed. This is our responsibility. This is what good stewardship should look like. And I want you to consider this for a moment, beloved. Have you ever received a blessing in your life that you thought, I need to share this with others? I just can't help but share this with others. Our money, our home, our car, our jobs, our families, let me tell you this truth, brothers and sisters, are not ours. Every good and perfect gift comes from above and we must use them. Use them in such a way that it is clear it isn't your treasure. When you have extra money, do you tend to want to hold on to it or give it to meet a need of someone else? Do you open up your home for 
hospitality to serve others? Are you willing to give others a ride in your car if they have a need? Do you and your family bless others? Don't hold on to something, Christian, that you cannot keep beyond this life. We are called to be faithful stewards of the gifts the Lord gives us. And we must remember that we are blessed to be a blessing. Asuras had everything from a worldly standpoint. He was only concerned for himself, though. This is why the king had regrets over Vashti. He had put her away like a little boy who didn't get his way. His pride was wounded when she didn't come to him so he could display her like a trophy. Therefore, he wanted something beautiful he had lost. And in God's sovereignty, despite ill advice from young, dumb men, the Lord would give him a new bride. But this time it would be for God's divine plan to be brought about. And I want you to consider the circumstances. Esther was given favor and blessing for a purpose. She was being built up in the face so that she would be a good steward, blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Now, the ultimate blessing is the beauty of the gospel, friends. God redeeming a people for himself. The Lord being faithful to preserve his covenant people. This is a picture of the gospel for us today. You see, this king sought a, a beautiful and pure bride. But Jesus has made us into one. Christ's pain was a prerequisite for our beauty. And the beauty treatment he puts us through is not just for his benefit, but it's for ours. Christ took was what was spiritually ugly, and he gave us his own beauty. The king did not know Esther was a Jew, nor did Jews know that they wouldn't need her. You see, God, however, knows all things and brings everything together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Therefore, when we choose to bless, when he, God chooses to bless us and brings favor with others, we know, need to know that this is for our faith to progress. And we need to position ourselves strategically for his providential plans. It's for the sake of and the advancement of the gospel. Let us not be selfish with God's gifts and blessings, but let us be faithful stewards of it. Mordecai could only check on Esther's situation. But Jesus can change ours. Jesus can change our situation. Jesus is not only full of hope for us, but he's full of help. I swear is offered tax relief and gave gifts, but it was only after he had taken so many young virgins from their families. He was dominated by selfishness, selfishness instead of service. Selfish rulers think of only preserving their own lives. But Jesus presented his life as a substitute for yours, for ours. He placed our good above his own. You can trust that if Jesus 
sets you free, friends, you will truly be free. Therefore, let us remember that God's favor is for our progress in faith. You are being built up. It is not wasted. Anything happening, all things happening, is for God's glory and our joy. <clears throat> the pain that you feel in your life over a lost loved one, the sickness that God allows to happen, it's not wasted. The troubles you deal with finances. The things that you worked so hard for and came up short. It's not wasted. That job taken from you. You name it. It's not wasted. It's doing something. It's doing something for the weight of eternal glory, for your joy and his glory. God is doing something and everything will work together for good if you love God and have been called according to his purpose. And let us remember that God's blessings are for stewardship. We have been given a responsibility a responsibility to at least love God enough to share his love with others. We have been given the two greats, the great commandment and the great commission. And it tells us to love God and love others. And you love God and you love others by sharing the good news of the gospel. Christian, you can trust that God is working everything together for our good. You can trust the true King of kings and the Lord of lords. Through his sovereignty, he will deliver you from yourself. By his authority, he will keep you. His beautiful bride, the church, is a gift from a worthy king. And friends, God's kingdom is not ruled by shaming others or for selfish gain, but his rule is driven by love and mercy for an unworthy, defiant bride. Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Perhaps you're hearing, you don't know about this kind of love or you think yourself unworthy. You're right, you're not worthy. But if we repent and believe, Friends, you will be able to come and enter the table of the king and experience this kind of pure, holy, and undefiled love forever and forever. And as we conclude our time, I want to read from you from Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 3 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can look up on the screen. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3 through 10. Blessed be God, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose 
us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And who's the beloved? Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. To the pray, is there one more that I'm missing? Verse 10, okay, I missed verse 10. All right, but all this for the praise and the glory of his name and for our joy, let us pray. Father God, we are more than thankful. More than thankful for the blessing of Jesus Christ. The precious blood that cleanses our sin. Lord, apart from you, apart from him, we would have no part of you. Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for the shortcomings in our lives because we know through Christ you will make up what we lack. We thank you for our failures because we know that you will succeed through the finished work of your hands. Lord, we thank you that nothing is wasted. It's nothing, it's too much to bear compared to the eternal weight of your glory, which you are working together for good for us, for our joy. We thank you for who you are and what you cause us to become. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord that his word is sufficient for our every need. Join us next time as we continue our study of God's infallible word. We would also love to have you join us in person at Grace Bible Fellowship. We meet together each Sunday from 9 a.m. to 9.50 a.m. for Connection Sunday School and from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our worship service. We're located at 1385 Northwestern Drive on the west side of El Paso, along with our hosting sister church, Mission de Gracia. If you have any questions, you can dial 915-308-1208 or visit our website at www.gracebibleelpaso.org. We would love to see you this Sunday as GBF gathers to proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ.